sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? Well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up. Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports. With the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lim Bias, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. Bonjour, bonsoir, monsieur. Mademoiselle, je m'appelle Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. Wassalamu alaikum, my brothers and sisters. Wendell's World of Sports, so doggone glad that you could be with us. Konishiwa, namaste, all them good things, man. Good morning, good abin, que pasa mi amigos, mi amo Wendell Wallace. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get into in the world of sports. Also want to throw a special dedication for someone that I knew briefly that passed at an early age. So I want to give my thoughts and Feelings and opinions about that at the end of the podcast is speaking mostly about the uh, NBA today in terms of the free agency, in terms of Damian Lillard, in terms of James Harden, in terms of some of the moves that have been made and have not been made, which teams got better so far through free agency, all of those things. I'll be speaking about, but before I get into that, um, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast, man, if you're listening to this podcast on Amazon, iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, If you could do me a favor, if you could download, subscribe, rate, review, most importantly, enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast, if you could do that for me, man, I very much appreciate it, man. Not going to lie to you. Not going to lie to you. So I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, listening to my podcast as we get started. Speaking about the NBA free agency, now I'm not going to get into football. I'll do that later on in the month, college and pro, unless something happens that needs our attention right now the nfl right now college football is on vacation so i'll get into that a little bit later when training camp starts and there's something happens monumentous in baseball that's worth uh speaking about i will definitely get into that also a little bit later on down the road but um i just want to get into what's happening right now with my baby the love of my life the nba in terms of Damian Lillard, the saga still continues, man. Nah, he's still with the Portland Trailblazers. Nah, he hasn't been traded yet. James Harden, nope, nope. He's still with the Philadelphia 76ers. Signed that $35.6 million contract and said, all right, get me on out of here. Trade me somewhere else. But uh, I'm going to focus this first segment on Lillard because, uh, yeah, he is a guy who is still waiting to be traded. Now, Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne reported the Miami Heat, Los Angeles Clippers, Philadelphia 76ers are the three teams that will have interest in exploring a Damian Lillard trade. What a source told Anscape Mark J. Spears is that Lillard's preference is to be traded to the Miami Heat. There's been also some other scuttlebutt that he might find the San Antonio Spurs intriguing and some other things. But basically, when Chris Haynes, who also 
was reporting the same thing, was on a podcast with Mark Spears and was asked by Stein if Lillard could be talked into another landing spot. If uh, he's dead set on ending up with the Miami Heat, Haynes simply replied, it's Miami, 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 Miami. So he ain't going nowhere else. And what Sharm Shereni of the Athletics said is that Lillard's sole focus is on the Heat, acknowledging that the Blazers are exploring, exploring other scenarios, but suggesting that there's a strong belief around the league that Miami will uh, be trading and making that trade for Damian Lillard. So Damian Lillard will be joining the Miami Heat to form the threesome, trying to form somewhat of a pseudo-super team to uh, compete with the likes of Denver and uh, Miami, excuse me, Denver and Milwaukee and Boston and Phoenix and such. So we'll see what happens, man. According to Haynes, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, the Celtics are among the other teams who reached out to see what it would take to uh, get Lillard the deal with Minnesota would have involved Carl Anthony Towns, according to Haynes, but they said that idea that idea was quickly eliminated. Yeah, I don't don't blame him. Um, Damian still has four years and two hundred million dollars left on his contract, as I mentioned before in the podcast on my last episode. That uh, you know, in, in in terms of what Portland and Damian want, which can make everybody happy. I mean, it's a situation where man, they're at two kind of different. St- spectrums and uh if you're portland how right are you going to be doing or how right are you going to do by lillard and really how much do you owe damian lillard to maybe sacrifice a little bit of your future to trade lillard to where he wants to go because of what he's done not just for the trailblazers in terms of being a professional basketball player but also what he's done for that community this is a situation where this is the trailblazers man this isn't the lakers this isn't the miami heat this isn't the new york knicks this is one of the glamour teams in the nba where it would be easier for a superstar to stay this isn't a dallas this isn't uh, a big market in terms of the uh, nba destinations are concerned so in an age where it's almost like we've seen this time and time and time lebron taking its uh taking his talents to south beach and we see players left and right um getting that money getting that bag and then asking to be traded somewhere preferably to the lakers preferably to a, a big city from 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 some of these small market venues or some of these small market NBA cities it was refreshing to see Damian Lillard despite the fact it seemed like everybody in the media everybody who wanted to say something for the most part it seemed like was sitting there talking about hey man when are you going to get out of Portland come on Dame when are you finally going to get out of Portland despite the fact that um Portland was nowhere near being an NBA champion that was nowhere near being one of the elite teams to compete for an NBA championship. The scuttlebutt, those always like, man, when's Dame going to be that guy? When Dame is, when is the next shoe going to drop in terms of big NBA stars requesting a trade? Instead of, I always saw, um, saw the career as Damian Lillard, man, more in the lines of, of Kevin Garnett before he got traded to, the Boston Celtics, that he was going to be a lifelong guy playing in a mid-market, lower-market uh, city like Minneapolis and never getting anywhere. And just like Dane before KG was traded to the Boston Celtics, there was a lot of second-round playoff exits. There was one NBA conference final, and then there was a whole lot of uh, missing the playoffs before uh, Durant, or excuse me, before Garnett um, nearing the 
end of his prime said, hey, man, get me on out of here. It's about time. So when people were speaking about, man, is Lillard going to be the Dirk Nowitzki or the Kobe Bryant or the Reggie Miller or the Carl Malone and John Stockton of the NBA and play the entire career with one team? I mean, even those players that I just mentioned, like Malone and Stockton and Reggie Miller, all-time greats and Hall of Famers, best of their uh, generations are in that class, even, even though... They spent their entire careers with one team, and they never won a championship. I mean, hell, at least Reggie Miller's tasted the final with the Indiana Pacers. At least he made it to a, co- a couple of uh, conference finals. At least um, Carl Malone and John Stockton had two bites of the apple to win an NBA championship. Damian Lillard has never been on a Portland Trailblazer team that even sniffed the opportunity to win an NBA championship. Again, made one uh, Western Conference Finals appearance was uh, beaten handily by the Golden State Warriors, and that was the end of it. So it's a situation where, yeah, man, Damian Lillard now has finally said enough is enough. He wants to go ahead to the uh, Miami Heat. The Miami Heat will give him the best chance to win an NBA championship. Other uh, all teams that will be vying for his services. So how much are you... If you're the Portland Trailblazers, how much are you sitting there going, okay, how much do we have to do right by Dame? How much how much do we owe him in terms of trading him to the Miami Heat if there's going to be a better office uh, a better offer on the table? Because unlike Bradley Beal and the uh, Washington Wizards, this is not a situation where Damian Lillard has a no trade clause. He is completely under the um decisions made by the Portland Trailblazers. He can't veto a trade. He can't do any of those things. So, yeah, it would be nice if a situation could come to where both parties would be happy, Lillard's and the uh, Portland Trailblazers. But, man, if I'm the Trailblazers, I'll say, look, man, Damian, I'm going to trade you to the best opportunity that you have to win a championship, but also looking out for my uh, looking out for our organization's future and our opportunities and our chances to build the team that can compete for an NBA championship. I'm not going to trade you to a team like Houston. I'm not going to trade you uh, to a team like, uh, you know, that that's going to be bottom dwellers. I'm not going to be trading you to a bad situation. I'm not going to be trading you to any team like that. But if you speak about, you know, the possibilities that the Portland Trailblazers have of trading him maybe to the Brooklyn Nets, maybe trading him to the um, Philadelphia 76ers to maybe get some players to get some more draft capital, then that's exactly what we're going to do. And I'm sorry if the Brooklyn Nets don't give us the same or don't give you the same opportunity to win a championship as the Miami Heat. But I'm not going to be, you know, a, a deal that's going to include for Miami. If say, for instance, if the Trailblazers were going to acquiesce and say, "Okay, look, we're going to trade, um, we're going to trade Lillard to the Miami Heat, and we're just going to try to get the best deal just from the Miami Heat and Miami Heat only." But most people are speaking about the Bobby Marxes of the world are speaking about if you wanted to trade. Lillard to the Heat and get the uh, best return for that investment or for that player, the Miami Heat would receive Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic, and then the Blazers would receive Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, Jaime Jacques Jr., Nikola Jovic, a 2028 first round pick, a 2029 pick swap, and a 2030 first round pick. That That's fine. That's That's nice. That's pretty good, but there are better options for them out there. I'm not 
a huge Tyler Hero fan. I remember in the bubble when Tyler was uh, putting up good numbers and was one of the best players on the team during that um, during that series where they beat the Boston Celtics, that there was scuttlebutt or they were mentioning that, hey, man, that Tyler Hero was a better prospect than um, Devin Booker at the time. And I was like, slow your roll, folks. Please, slow your roll. But I'm not really a huge Tyler Hero fan. I mean, a guy who gets injured a lot, a guy who's one-dimensional, a guy who doesn't play any defense, a guy who's not going to do any rebounding, a guy who's not really a, a playmaker. I, I, I don't see how that guy who is going to be most efficient with the ball in his hand. He's going to be the most effective with the ball in his hand. And you have someone like a Scoot Henderson, who is basically the same thing. I, I, I don't see in terms of needing the ball in his hands to be productive. I, I don't see where that's going to help the Portland Trailblazers. It's definitely not going to get them closer in the next two or three years to be competing for championships. Now, maybe with Denver in full gear and maybe waiting to see what happens with LeBron and the Los Angeles Lakers and see what happens with Kevin Durant and this experiment with the uh, with the um, Phoenix Suns and such and see where such teams as the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Memphis Grizzlies and such, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. Maybe it's a situation if you're Portland that you say, you know what, we're going to wait a couple of years. We're going to wait two or three years to really start, number one, to see if Scoot Henderson is the guy that we can build our team around. And if he is that guy, well, then it's going to be a slow, gradual process in which we're going to be drafting and in which we're going to be getting young guys and we're going to build that foundation. And when time comes, then we can pull the trigger once we have uh, enough um, enough players or enough uh, potential um, uh, trade assets in a couple of years, then maybe we can go ahead and make that move. Maybe when LeBron and AD, that run in Los Angeles is over, maybe, <clears throat> maybe depending what happens with Luka and Kyrie, maybe when Kevin Durant gets a little bit older and we'll see what happens with the Phoenix Suns, maybe we'll see what happens what the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, what they're going to do with the trio of Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. We'll see what happens with the health and the short-term effectiveness if the Los Angeles Clippers could maybe get James Harden and you pair them up, James Harden with um, with uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The, these, these are the things that the Portland Trailblazers should be looking at and should be thinking about over the next couple of years because trading for a Miami Heat package that's going to have the star of the trade for them be Tyler Hero doesn't put them any closer to winning a championship, not just for this next couple of years, but for years down the road. Now the pick swaps and everything else, that might be that might be something, but if I'm the man, if I'm the Portland Trailblazers, it's all about draft picks, draft picks, draft picks, draft picks. It'll take a couple of years to find out if Scoot Henderson is going to be the guy that you can build that franchise around. And if he is that guy to build a franchise around. What kind of player is he going to need? Or what type of player is the organization going to need to go after in free agency or to draft to compliment him to give the Trailblazers the best chance as an organization to compete for a championship? How long are we going to need to find that out? We're going to have to find that out with all these guys, regardless of how um, of, of what their um, 
potential is or what their scouting report says or what type of prospects that they are. It's going to take Victor Wimbanyama a couple of years before we find out and we get a good uh, idea of what he can do, especially when you're speaking about coming guys coming in so young. This isn't Tim Duncan who played four years in college and then joined a veteran-laden San Antonio Spurs team with Tim Duncan really being the last, if I can remember off the top of my head, the really last rookie to really have a huge impact on what a franchise did in terms of tur- of turning that team around. I mean, there, there are no Larry Birds who came into the NBA with the Boston Celtics and turned them around and gave them a 20-plus win uh, improvement from the year before. Magic Johnson won an NBA championship with the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, he just happened to have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar still in his prime uh, playing uh, for that team. So Magic came in with a guy who was considered the best player in the game or one of the best players in the game still in his prime when he came in as a rookie from Michigan State. LeBron took years before we finally got a team that could really compete for an NBA championship. And we're speaking about, you know, some of the greatest players who's ever played. MJ, Michael Jordan, how long did it take for him to uh, win a championship? Seven years? Seven NBA seasons? He didn't come in while he was spectacular and while he helped out the team. It still was a situation where it wasn't automatically immediate that this was going to be a guy that, oh my goodness, we can go ahead and start winning championship after championship after championship. There was still some issues after his first couple of seasons. Of course the talent was there. Of course the ability was there. Of course he blew everybody away. But it's a a whole different type of situation when you're speaking about, okay, he's got the physical and he's got the skills, but does he have the maturity? Does he have the professionalism? Does he have the work ethic? Does he have the hunger? Does he have the leadership qualities that are going to be able us to build a team around him for us to be successful moving forward? With the Portland Trailblazers and Scoot Henderson, that's what they're going to have to find out. That's where they're going to have to go. And again, even if that is possible, even if Scoot reaches all of the expectations that people have for him after a couple of years, there's still going to be the situation where we're still going to need another running mate. For Nikola Jokic, he needs uh, Jamal Murray. For the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron, he needs an Anthony Davis. Or you could even say... um, you could need to say, uh, you know, Anthony Davis needs LeBron James. Giannis Antetokounmpo needs some help. Jason Tatum needs Jalen Brown. So Joel Embiid needs somebody. Uh, maybe it would be Tyrese Maxey in a couple of years to be that guy. The form that twosome to uh, get them to where they need to be, to have them have the success uh, that they need to be. for the, So for the Portland Trailblazers, if I'm making this trade, yes, I want to do right by Dame. Yes, I want to uh, have a, you know, show out so the rest of the league can see that, hey, man, you know, Portland does well in terms of treating its players right, even if it's a situation where both sides are going to have to part. It's going to be a situation where the eyes are going to be on Portland on what they do in the situation, but Portland cannot, um, Portland cannot uh, be too, what's the word I'm looking for? Portland can't be too generous and sending Damian, Damian Lillard if it's going to do anything to uh, not fulfill the expectations of trading the best player who's ever played for the Portland Trailblazers that still has about two two to three years of being that guy who can help win you a championship, especially if he's going to be paired with teams that are already having that championship DNA, already have that type of structure 
that could have them win championships such as the Miami Heat. So, yeah, man, I was, I was looking at it before. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, who Lillard already has a relationship with Mikael um, Bridges, if the Nets wanted to sign Lillard, they could offer all of their own first-round picks from 2028 through 2030, if you remember from the uh, haul that they made when they traded uh, – when, when they made those trades. Plus, you have the Suns' first-round picks of 2025 to 27 and 29 swaps in 2028. The Mavericks' first-round pick in 2029. So before I go to uh, thinking about making sure that Dean is going to be all right, I'm going to go to uh, Brooklyn first. I want to go to Philadelphia first because I think those opportunities are a lot better. What you're going to do with Philadelphia in terms of you're the Portland Trailblazers and you say, okay, the key part of that deal is going to be Tyrese Maxey. Again, if this is going to be a guy who can, who's going to be able to mesh and blend and gel with someone like Scoot Henderson for years and years down the road when Scoot reaches age 24, 25, 26, where you would think he would be straight in the prime of his NBA career with the physical and the mental finally merged together in a beautiful and a beautiful basketball player if you're Portland is Tyrese Maxey going to be that running mate for him that's going to help him win an NBA championship because I'm telling you right now for Scoop this is a situation he's going to be on that journey and it happens with everybody it happens with every rookie I don't care how talented I don't care how high the expectations are the first part of your NBA career, if you're a rookie, is just determining and figuring out if you belong in the league. And for the Portland Trailblazers, for their fan base, for their front office, and for Scoot Henderson, that's going to be the first thing. All right, do I belong in the NBA? And when that hurdle has been completed, then it's like, okay, where do I stand? Where do I make my mark? The first year of uh, being in the NBA, being a rookie for someone like Scoot, this is going to be a this is going to be a situation where he is going to be earning that respect from the NBA players. This is going to be him earning that respect to say, you know what, man? Not only do I belong. Step one, now I can start making an impact. You know, just like the rookie Paolo Bancaro last season. Yeah, you know what? That first season, he showed that he belonged in the league. He showed that he's going to be an impact player. He showed that he he's, he could be a guy possibly that you could build a championship around. Now it's part of step two for Bancaro in, 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 his, in, in his NBA journey. Now it's going to be starting to, okay, I've shown in myself, the organization, the brass, the fan base, the other players. I've gotten the respect that I can play. I've, I've, um, earned, my, uh, I've earned my keeps. I'm one of the better players, young players, blah, blah, blah. Now, since that's been established... Now, let's start building a resume that's going to start including championships, MVPs, all-NBA selections, and those type of things. That's going to be the second part now of Bancaro's career. For Scoop, first part of the career, just finding out if I belong, where I, do, where I belong, and give me my respect. So, for the Trailblazers, that's all part of what's going to be happening this season with this team. So I, I don't know where trading for trading Damian Lillard for Miami and bringing back Tyler Hero. 
I, I don't know where any of that fits in. So, yeah, man, the Dane watch is still on. As I mentioned before, he finally asked to be traded from the Trailblazers. He wants to be going to Miami. And Miami said, yeah, we'll take him. And Portland says, we'll do our best. But then again, the Portland Trailblazers are under no fool's uh, guidance in terms of where he needs to go and what should be going on in terms of the Portland Trailblazers making sure that this trade is going to be fruitful, not just for Damian Lillard, but more so for the organization of the Portland Trailblazers. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Happy 4th of July. I hope that you are celebrating the 4th closely like you're celebrating Juneteenth. That would be nice. I celebrate Juneteenth a lot more than I celebrate July 4th. Reasons should be pretty obvious. One of the things that I'm doing to show is that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not working when I record. It's not work. For me to speak about what's happening in the world of sports is definitely not work. So I'm not digging ditches. I'm not doing. I'm not doing anything like that. But uh, the fourth July Fourth holiday. Hey man, I'm still I'm still doing what I want to do in terms of giving you the best sports talk that I can. So I'm not at the beach. I'm not uh, going to be doing the uh, fireworks. I'm not going to be going anywhere to watch the fireworks works. I'm not going up the street so I can see the fireworks display displayed from the strip. I'm not going to be doing any of that. I'm going to be um, maybe going, I'm going to, what am I going to be doing this evening? I guess I'm probably going to be watching a couple of a serial killer um, crime injustice episodes and maybe see what's on Frontline uh, PBS, see if they have anything going on, see if I can go to their app and watch a couple of shows. What else, what other way to celebrate the 4th of July than to uh, have shows when you're speaking about uh, serial killers and um, all that good stuff? Hey man, that's me. Strange as it is. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. NBA free agency, NBA trades. James Harden signing a contract one year with the Philadelphia 76ers, $35.6 million. He opted into the final season of his deal. And then he said, get me on out of here. For the third time in three seasons, James Harden has requested to be traded. If you remember, you forced the Rockets to trade him in the middle of the 2021 season to the Brooklyn Nets. Why? Because he wanted to play with Kevin Durant. He wanted to play with Kyrie Irving. And it was a situation where, look, we had made our conference finals. We gave the Golden State Warriors a hell of a run to get to the NBA finals. But, uh, you know, you're going in a direct, different direction. I'm now going to be going in a different direction because 
I want to win and going and playing with my old buddy Kevin Durant, who I had the best chance to win a championship with back in my younger days of my NBA career when I was a six-man with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now he's going to be in Brooklyn. I want to go to Brooklyn to play with KD and Kyrie Irving. So the Rockets said, okay, we'll go ahead and we'll send you there. Um, Like I mentioned before, the Rockets needed to go in a different direction. James Harden needed to go in a different direction. Well, um, one of the reasons why the Rockets needed to go in another direction is that um, he was one of the guys, James Harden, if you remember that the, the the Western Conference Final, and I forgot which year it was, I don't know if it was 2015 or 16 or whatever, but um, the Rockets were a Chris Paul hamstring injury away from making the NBA Finals, which if Paul did not uh, injure his hamstring, the Rockets would have been heavy, uh, heavy favorites to win the uh, championships, even though I think they were playing the uh, Cavaliers with LeBron and Kyrie and uh, Kevin Love at that time, but they would have been strong favorites to uh, win the championship or at least compete for the championship. So because James Harden couldn't get along with Chris Paul, the year after they made it to the conference finals and pushed the Golden State Warriors, I believe, to seven games, he told Chris Paul to go away and he brought in Russell Westbrook, to which the championship hopes of of Houston fell off the cliff. I don't know what it is with Russell Westbrook, bringing in Russell Westbrook with your, the uh, Houston Rockets and then with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, but man, James Harden and uh, LeBron James tried the Russell Westbrook experiment. Didn't work. Didn't work. So, again, because of that, it was a situation where Daryl Morey tried to play a you know, let's just shoot every shot being a three-pointer. Let's play with uh, five guys who are under six foot seven and in the bubble, and that didn't work. So it was a situation where it was time for James Harden and the Houston Rockets to split ways. So they traded him to the uh, Brooklyn Nets, and we thought that this was going to be their great super team, and they were going to re-sign um, Kevin Durant, which they did, and they were going to re-sign James Harden, and they were going to re-sign Kyrie Irving, and the Nets were going to have multiple, multiple years, four or five years at the very least, to see what they could do to win as many championships as possible, or at least make it to the NBA Finals and have an opportunity to win an NBA championship. Well, that dream lasted about less than a year, because James Harden wanted out. Didn't like living in the city. He didn't like being the center of attention in terms of having the power and influence that he had in Houston that belonged to Kevin Durant. Now all of a sudden, just like in Houston, where if he was in Miami and said, nah, that's okay, fellas, we're going to uh, stay in, we're going to stay in uh, Miami a little bit uh, longer or we're not going to fly completely, uh, we're not going to fly out of Miami tonight because I want to go down to South Beach and party. Yeah, we might be in Utah. We just got through finished playing the jazz, but guess what? I'm going to run down the Vegas and party a little bit. So uh, you guys stay in Utah and I'm going to go ahead and do my thing. Yeah, we just got finished playing the um, Lakers and the Clippers down at the Staples Center at the time or the... um yeah, the Staples Center at the time. But, uh, yeah, we're going to hold up a little bit, a little bit longer in L.A. because I want to go out and do my thing. I want to have my boys fly on the plane with us. The Houston Rockets, when James Harden was at his best, when he was winning MVPs and the Rockets were going to conference finals with battling the Golden State Warriors, the Houston Rockets ran on James Harden time. So James Harden was the king of that show. And he was the king of the show for a little while while in Houston. Now, he goes to Brooklyn, and all of a sudden, and about for the first time in maybe eight or nine years, 
All of a sudden now, he ain't the king. All of a sudden now, they're not running on James Harden time. They're running on Kevin Durant time. So that was something that James Harden had to do, uh, to adjust to. And um, by all reports said that he didn't like that too much. He didn't like Steve Nash as a coach. And when Kyrie Irving pulled his Kyrie Irving by missing games due to him not wanting to get vaccinated, it was just like, all right, man, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. Get me out of here. So he pushed for a trade out of Brooklyn. Then he went to uh, Philadelphia. Oh, he reunited with Daryl Morey, the guy that gave him full autonomy to do whatever he wanted to in in um, in uh, Houston. Now he was going to be paired with one of the most dominant and best centers in the game, Joel Embiid. So all of a sudden now, along with one of the better coaches in Doc Rivers, now was a situation where, hey, James is getting up a little bit in years and this and the other, so we need a running mate to try to win a championship with. And this might be the best running mate that he's ever had. That includes Kevin Durant. That includes Chris Paul. That includes uh, Dwight Howard, of course. Yeah, but, but this was a situation where, man, this is going to be James Harden's opportunity to win a championship because he had the MVPs, he had the All-Star Games, he had the scoring records, he had the All-NBA, um, uh, uh, you know, he had the All-NBA uh, mentions and, you know, placements and, He's a Hall of Famer, all these good things. The only thing left for him to do in his career, and James said it himself, the only thing that's left for me to do is to win an NBA championship. So he was paired with Joel Embiid. Okay, all right. So after the first season with Philly, he took a $15 million pay cut to return to the team. He declined his $47.3 million option and instead signed a two-year, $68 million contract with the second year being a player option. That way, the Sixers could better their team in which they got one of his buddies from Houston, P.J. Tucker, and, um, you know, gave them some cap space. So, hey, man, this was supposed to be a situation where, wow, James Harden, you know, realizing some of the... Some of the um, I wouldn't, just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say weaknesses, but no, the fact that he's no longer that player when he first came to Houston, and that he's willing to sacrifice a little bit for his team to win, man, that's something. That's that, that's showing uh, a maturity level of James Harden that we we haven't seen this past season with Philadelphia. Harden was fantastic, right? Harden was solid. Solid. I wouldn't say fantastic. Harden was solid. Should have been on the All Star team. Averaged 20 points a game, led the league in assists around 11. Joel Embiid won his first MVP award with Harden on the team. Philadelphia won 54 games, finished third in the Eastern Conference behind Milwaukee and Boston. So, for the most part, everything seemed to be going pretty kosher, right? Everything seemed to be going pretty well. Yeah, there were some ups and downs. The fact that they never really could beat Boston during a regular season. But for the most part... Okay, Harden didn't average 34 points in 15 or, or you know, 34 points in 8 or 9 assists, but that's okay. That 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 James Harden wasn't needed, and if it was needed for an entire season, I don't think James Harden, because of his advanced age and everything, could be able to produce like that on a consistent basis. So the James Harden that we still have is still a fantastic top 15 or 20 NBA basketball player. I mean, this is still a guy that can, uh, you know, allow Joel uh, Joel Embiid to have the best season of his career, that he could still have success, and you could still go out and win a championship. So it was a good season. It was a very solid season better than average season for James Harden. Then you meet, then you go to the playoffs, second round against Boston. What's great in James, in, in, in game one, that James Harden that we saw in game one, where, where, 
the, the Houston Rockets fans for the longest of times was, was like, where, where was that performance? Game one, 45 points, 17 to 30 shooting, 7 to 14 from the three point line, all the 39 minutes, single handedly without Joel Embiid, one game one on the road against Boston. Man, Houston Rockets fans were like, where was that guy? We never saw that guy in the playoffs. Game three, same thing. 42 points, 16 of 23 shooting, shot six to nine from the uh, three-point range in 47 minutes, hit the uh, go-ahead shot against the uh, Celtics. It was like, man, all right, what's up with this? It was game three, game four, I forgot. He he had two, James Harden had two of the best games of his NBA playoff career. And if you think about the... The game itself, the fact that it took place in the playoffs, you could actually say that was probably one of the best, if not the best, performances of his NBA career. One of the best games, again, if you take into the account of these games weren't some dog day game played in February or March, the fact that it was games in which at that time they needed that type of James Harden performance. He gave them that James Harden type performance and then some, Again, you could argue that it probably was one of the best games that he's ever played. So, you know, it's like, man, what's up? What's going on? What's happening? Games, the games in which they lost, or the other five games. Games one, game one and game three against Boston, fantastic, right? The other five games of that seven-game series that won seven games, four of the five games that uh, James Harden was playing in, and that conference semifinal against the Celtics, four of which the Celtics won, he was horrible. In the games that they lost, Harden won a combined 16 of 63, that's 25% homes, and went 4 of 26 from the three-point line. The closeout game, 6-7, and because if you remember, Philadelphia had the 3-2 series lead. Then came back to Philly to try to uh, move on to the uh, conference finals. The first time that they've been in the conference finals since, I don't know, Moses Malone, Mo Cheeks, Bobby Jones, Sidell Threat, Anthony, to- uh, you know, Andrew Tony, and Julius Irving were playing. Well, in game six and seven, Harden won a combined seven of 27 shooting, one of 11 from the three-point line. And it was a situation where it was like, yep, we can't trust this guy. When the chips are down, when we need him the most, James Harden comes up the least. And this is not the first time that he's done this. He did this years and years and years with the Houston Rockets. So James Harden was thinking that, hey, you know what? I had a great season, 20 points, 11 assists. The team was winning. Joel won, Joel won the MVP, blah, blah, blah. Daryl Boy's my guy. I'm going to go ahead and get myself a four-year, $200 million contract. And, and um, Maury in Philadelphia said, man, what are you, nuts? No, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. We, we, we can't do that. The guy who has played as many minutes, the usage rate as high as um, James Harden's usage rate has been over the past decade, and the fact that he's not, uh, shall we say, the uh, most, uh, he's, not, he's, the, he's not the most dedicated uh, person in the world when you're speaking about taking care of himself. No, of course he didn't earn that money. So Harden is thinking to himself, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I gave you guys a pay cut. I could have taken so much more. I could have been greedy. But I wanted the team to win. I did. I took a, I took a financial hit for the team. And this is how you guys are going to do me? This is the way you guys are going to lowball me? But 
you know, he looked around and said, ain't nobody, James, that's going to give you that type of money. Maybe Ballmer's going to throw that type of money at him, a guy who's worth $119 billion. Maybe he can go ahead and uh, face the penalties of the second apron of the new CBA agreement. Maybe he'll do something like that. And maybe why, that's why multiple reports, including um, Yahoo Sports senior NBA reporter Jake Fisher, indicated that Harden wants to go to the L.A. Clippers and play for them. Number one, he's from L.A. So I don't know if he still has residence in L.A. with his money. I'm, I'm quite sure that he does. So he can, quote-unquote, go back home, set up the big three of him, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George to go up against the defending champs, Denver Nuggets, along with the Lakers and the Celtics and the Bucks and the Miami Heat. Um, Steve Ballmer is spending about $1.8 billion to build a new arena for the Clippers that's going to open next season. So that's going to be one of the reasons why he might be motivated to not only bring in James Harden, but also re-sign Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, despite the fact that they played just 142 of the 345 regular season games and postseason games together. Speaking about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, because those two can't stay healthy. Those two, from an injury standpoint, can't uh, be relied upon or be trusted upon. So, look, man, there's going to be some situations for James Harden where who would be desperate enough? Who would be foolish enough after um, he um, plays or when, when he's traded that maybe they can talk some type of extension or he plays out the contract with the promise from Ballmer that, uh, you know, he does what he needs to do. He can get himself some of that, uh, recoup some of that money that he lost. I don't know exactly what's going to be happening. I don't. I, don't, I wouldn't trade Harden to the New York Knicks. I wouldn't trade Harden, and I wouldn't. Uh, I would wait. And, and and maybe there's been some speculation that Daryl Moore is going to be like, "Hey, look, man, you know what? Um, the market for you is not as robust as we would hope for us. We got Joel Embiid pretty soon, who's going to be talking about, "Hey, man, when am I going to? Get, when am I going to get an opportunity to win?" an NBA championship? When am I going to get the opportunity to compete for an NBA championship? That discussion is going to be coming around the bend uh, pretty soon. So there might be a situation where this could be, just like Lillard, this could be long and drawn out with the possibility. Now Lillard, I think, eventually is going to be traded. But there's a strong possibility that, hey man, you know what? We, We need you back here, James. Now you can mope, you can pout, you can hold out, you can do the antics that you did to get yourself traded from Houston, but but the bottom line is we're under no pressure, we're under no obligation to trade you anywhere. That's not going to help our team. And when you have Daryl Morey as your GM, he ain't going to be trading somebody just to trade him. So it'll be interesting to see the drama. It'll be interesting to see some of the news-related stories or the rumors or the gossip or the scuttlebutt when you're speaking about exactly where is James Harden going to be traded if he wants to be traded to the Los Angeles Clippers is that going to be the best destination that's going to suit both the Clippers James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers Philadelphia excuse me um if you're Philadelphia are you looking for just um draft picks Terrence Mann, is that going to be the guy that's going to be able, are you going to maybe ask for Paul George? Is Paul George worth asking for? 
Are you looking long-term or short-term? If, if you're speaking about the Philadelphia 76ers and you're speaking about, hey, man, we, we need something. We're going to be trading James Harden. What are you going to be looking for? I don't, I don't think, unlike the Portland Trailblazers, where they should be trying to figure out how many picks that we can get from now until 2030, how many first-round picks and pick swaps that we can get, the Philadelphia 76ers are in an entirely different situation. They need to win, and they need to win now. Because they have the best player in their game, Joel Embiid, or the best player in the game next to Jokic, Joel Embiid, still in his prime. And still, you have to take into account the fact that this guy has also had a pretty lengthy injury history. Now, the last couple of years has been great. The fact that he really hasn't uh, hampered him uh, or had the impact of years before. But this is a guy who missed the first in the couple of the games second round of the playoffs against Boston. This was a guy who missed some games in the first round of the NBA playoffs against the Brooklyn Nets. So this guy is far from being an Iron Man. So this is a situation where when Joel Embiid breaks down, it's not a matter of if, but when. So this is a situation, if you're Moray in the Philadelphia 76ers and Nick Nurse and stuff, this is not a situation where I can, I'm, I'm looking to um, get rid of James Harden because I want to be seeing what type of draft picks I can get for 20, 27, 28, and 30. I ain't going to do any good. The, the, we, building, you, you, you've already gone through the process. That's over with. That's done. You need something now. You need something in the next couple of years to make sure that Embiid wants to stay in Philadelphia. Because what would be the point of um, training James Harden for draft picks now or draft picks down the road what, building a team around Embiid and Tyrese Maxey? Maybe doing something with Tobias Harris's expiring contract to get a little bit more help for Embiid? But you, you have to go with Joel. You have to go, even though he won the MVP this season, or even though he's relatively young, with Embiid, man, you have to go year to year in terms of, hey, man, what can we get both physically dominant out of Joel Embiid? And how, how much can we mitigate the chances of him being injured. If he wants to get injured and miss some time in January and February and March, okay, fine. But we need Joel Embiid to be 100%, especially if you're going to be shipping off of the second best player on our team or the guy that was supposed to be 1A to Joel, who was supposed to be Joel's uh, Robin to hit Batman. You know, what are we going to be doing now about his health? How are we going to be doing about his management, his game management, his season management? Not just for next year, but years going on. So, all those things with the Philadelphia 76ers, man, they have to uh, figure out. But uh, Harden wants out. It's almost like, you know, death taxes and James Harden and Kyrie Irving just causing havoc. So, we'll see what happens. Hey, Kyrie Irving. Speaking of Kyrie Irving, I forgot. Didn't he sign a contract with the... Uh, yeah, he signed a contract to re-sign with Dallas Mavericks, right? Three years, $126 million. No other teams around the league were really looking to come anywhere close. So why did Dallas pay that much money for a guy who... Why did Dallas basically um, bid against themselves? Just like Philadelphia should be concerned about what's going to be happening about Joel Abid in terms of his wanting to stay in Philadelphia from you know years forward is even more of a story or that's even more of the case with the Mavericks and Luka Dantich. 
Um, when you have Luca's best friend in the NBA as far as coaching is, is concerned, Jamal Mosley coaching down in Orlando, and you see that Orlando team and what they're doing, and you're speaking about a state that doesn't have any state income tax, and you're speaking for a a NBA market like Orlando that used to be one of the destination points. Um, if I'm if I'm Dallas, I mean everybody speaks about if Luca's going to go somewhere, he's going to go with the Lakers or anything like that. No, 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 no. Keep your eyes open. If this thing tumbles and falls down, and Luca starts saying, "Hey, look, man, I don't know if this is going to be going anywhere or doing anything," look for him to start eyeing what's possibly going on with the Orlando Magic. If I'm the Orlando Magic, especially with all that young talent they, they, that they've been accumulating over the past couple of years, I'm also taking a look at that situation because we could be speaking about in a couple of years the Orlando Magic and the Dallas Mavericks being in play in terms of uh, Luka being the next superstar that's going to pull a Dame Lillard or Luka that's going to be the next superstar that's going to pull a James Harden or Luka is going to be the guy that do what Kyrie did uh, last season or what KD did last season in terms of, yeah, it's about time to uh, get me on out of here. But um, Kyrie signed a three-year, $126 million contract. 20 games in which Irving played with Dallas. 27 points, 6 assists, 5 boards. That's nice. That's good. They were well below 500. He didn't help in one of the most important areas, which was um, defending. And look, I said this when he got traded. Kyrie wants that money. So Kyrie's going to come to Dallas, and Kyrie's going to be on his best behavior. Kyrie ain't going to stir the boat. Kyrie's going to give you the best Kyrie that Kyrie can give you. Because Kyrie wants that bag. Kyrie wants that money. But once he gets that money, whew, that's when the real Kyrie, I don't know. I don't. I, sh- I shouldn't say the real Kyrie because I don't know Kyrie Irving. I've never met Kyrie Irving. I've never uh, been around Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. So I don't know Kyrie Irving for me to say the real Kyrie Irving like I know him like his uh, mother-in-law and like his wife and children or his dad. But from the history that we've seen with Kyrie Irving, that sooner or later, Kyrie Irving is going to rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, Kyrie. Don't rock the boat, Kyrie. Don't rock the boat. But he is. He did it in Cleveland. The man was asking to be traded from Cleveland after Cleveland went to the NBA Finals because he was tired of being in LeBron's shadow. Then he went to Boston, and Boston was talking about this is great, and Brad Stevens is so nice to play for a coach as cerebral as you know, as as, as cerebral as um, Brad Stevens, which was a dig at Tyron Lue, and this is going to be awesome, and this is going to be fantastic, and they got all this new young talent, and blah blah blah, and this that and the other. That team couldn't wait. That city couldn't wait. That organization couldn't wait. Danny Ainge couldn't wait till Milwaukee blew them out of the fucking water and embarrassed themselves for them to get rid of Kyrie Irving. But Kyrie Irving was already talking about his next plan of thought. Up there talking to Kevin Durant. Up there talking about uh, talking to uh, DeAndre Jordan about how it would be so great to build their own team, to make their own legacy, to build their own resume in terms of you know building their own super team and have those guys be the Batman and Robin of a team like the Brooklyn Nets. So they came in there and we saw how that ended. And we saw all that nonsense that Kyrie gave them. So basically what I'm saying is, is that sooner or later, look, I can't tell you in California when the next earthquake is going to happen. But for those who live in Southern California, you know that eventually the earthquake is going to happen. You don't know when. 
You don't know how big it's going to be, but you know living in Southern California, that's going to be happening. I can't tell you when this heat wave is going to be happening in Las Vegas. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be happening next week. I don't know if it's going to be happening two weeks from now. I don't know if it's going to be safe till August, but I do know this. I I do know that from here until the end of September, that there's going to be some days where it's going to be 115 degrees. We're going to see some weeks where the five-day forecast is going to be 112, 115, 115, 117, 112, 110 as highs. We, we know that's coming. So far, it's been a really nice June and going into um, the 4th of July. No really ridiculous days. But I know that sooner or later, this is going to be happening. I know that the heat wave that's going to be lasting for a week or two or three or whatever, I know that's coming. Because I live out here. Because history tells us this. Same thing with Kyrie Irving. We know that Kyrie sooner or later is going to combust. Sooner or later, Kyrie Irving is going to get Jason Kidd fired. Sooner or later, Kyrie Irving is going to be asking for a trade. Sooner or later, Kyrie Irving is going to be not communicating with the teammates. Sooner or later, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic are going to be button heads. Sooner or later, Kyrie Irving is going to make, make Luka Doncic say, get me out of here. And sooner or later... Kyrie Irving is going to be traded somewhere else. And there's going to be another team that's going to want him because his skill level and his talent is so high. And Kyrie's going to go to that team maybe in a year and a half. And he's going to play his butt off. And he's going to be great. And he's going to be spectacular. And then as a 33, 34-year-old, he's going to be expecting uh, a deal somewhere north of $55 million. And that team that's going to be desperate enough to trade for Kyrie, just like the Mavericks this past February were desperate enough to trade for him and gut any players that played any defense for them and try to make up for the mistake of letting Jalen Brunson go and find themselves now in this position. Another team is going to do that, I believe, in about, I don't know, 18 to 24 months. That's going to be like, oh, Kyrie is causing problems. Ooh, Kyrie is, you know, causing that franchise to implode. That's okay. We'll still take him. So, yeah, man. So, uh, Kyrie got his bag, got his money. Um, Dallas had to do what they had to do. You don't want a disgruntled Kyrie right off the bat if they lowball him. So, yeah, man, the, the mercurialness of Kyrie Irving. We'll see what happens. But Kyrie Irving and James Harden, two guys, man, where exceptional talents. Tremendous talents. Unbelievable talents. They're they're, they're almost like, you know what Kyrie Irving is? And a little bit of James Harden. They're like the real housewives. Or they're like love and hip hop, right? They're They're like these ladies on the real housewife shows. The real housewife of Atlanta and Orange County and Miami, whatever. And love and hip hop down there in Atlanta. They're, those guys are like those ladies. Where you take a look at them. And those ladies are gorgeous. Those ladies, those, those MILFs are something else. They're gorgeous. They're sexy. They're just, they're everything. And then they start opening up their mouths. And then they start talking. And then after about 45 seconds to a minute, you either want to jump off a cliff or jump off somewhere with them with them with you. And it's just like TV clicker click. As soon as they open off their mouth, as soon as they open up their mouths, the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. 
when they come down wearing those dresses and looking sexy and all this kind of stuff, you're like, man, maybe I can deal with this and they're going to give me a little coochie cooch. Maybe I can, you know, put up with some of this stuff and maybe some of the nonsense and maybe some of the drama and maybe some of the ignorance and maybe some of the bad language and broken language and the less than womanly qualities that I want in a woman, you know, classy, this, that, and the other. Maybe I can put up with that because they're so gorgeous and they're so sexy, but then they start talking and then they start being who they are and it's like, no, man, I can't. I can't. I just 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 can't. So that's Kyrie and James, man. The Real Housewives of Philadelphia in Dallas. To be continued with James. I don't know if he's going to be the real house, the real basketball player of, uh, of L.A. or whatever. I don't know if he's going to be the male version of Doug Christie's wife. Have you ever watched that show, Basketball Wives? That's another show where it's like super sexy looking women. Highly attractive until they start talking and opening up their mouths. And it's like, yeah, next. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It kind of now makes me want to go watch the uh, Real Housewives of uh, Atlanta and all them and all them shows. Of course, for me to, uh, you know, really get into it. And that show, for me watching it, it would have to be on mute. Last segment of the podcast, last segment of the program, Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Some of this stuff in terms of the free agency, I'll be speaking about on my next podcast. My next podcast, the NBA Summer League starts. And when Banyana and Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller already, Brandon Miller already played a game in the uh, California Classic in which San Antonio blew out uh, Charlotte. Uh, those guys were hitting every. Those guys were hitting everything. Speaking of San Antonio, Miller looked a little apprehensive, but hey, man, that's 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 going to be expected. His first game as a pro, but uh, I want to be watching these games. I want to watch the Thompson Twins. I want to uh, really dive into the uh, M- NBA Summer League out here in Vegas, an event I used to go to, in fact, uh, but uh, I found it much more comfortable not to go out in the heat and uh, watch it from the comforts of my home here in Northwest uh, Las Vegas. But uh, yeah, I want to be giving you my thoughts and feelings and opinions about that. Not really in terms of, well, when Benyana had a great game. So obviously this guy is going to be the greatest basketball player who ever lived or when Benyana struggles. So, uh Oh, this guy's going to turn into Greg Oden and Sam Bowie and, and, and Mitchell Butler and Michael Oluwakande. No, I'm not going to be doing any of that stuff. I'm just, I'm just interested to see how these guys play and what qualities and everything that they bring to the table that they can um, 
bring to the table once the NBA season starts. But I'll be getting into that. I still, on my next podcast, want to talk about Fred Van Vliet. And I want to speak about some of the other, you know, NBA uh, free agent signings. I haven't forgot about Kyle Kuzma re-signing. I haven't forgot about Draymond Green re-signing. Haven't haven't, uh, forgotten about uh, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez re-signing with the Milwaukee Bucks. That puts Milwaukee back to possibly the best team in the uh, NBA East. I know, depending upon what happens with the uh, Damian Lillard saga, we know that Miami, the Miami Heat could still be in that discussion in terms of the best team in not just the Eastern Conference, but in the NBA. But So all of those things I will definitely be getting into. I'll, I'll, you know what, because I, I, I also wanted to speak about the Lakers, the, you know, the team that they have now and all that kind of stuff. I will, I will go ahead and I will save that um, for later. I will save that for my next podcast. So um, the NBA Summer League, and if there's anything that happens that pops up, you know, most definitely I will go ahead and I will uh, speak on that. But I want to end the podcast today. Um, sad, sad news that I found out um, when I was working for the Clark County School District was at a high school up in um, Mesquite. Uh, got to know, as far as student substitute teacher is concerned, uh, a young man that uh, passed away. And, uh, you know, sucks. It's, uh, it's, it, it, it was a guy who was going to be going into his uh, senior year of, um, high school. And, um, you know, he had been in my class as a substitute teacher and me as a substitute teacher, uh, for a couple of years. So I, I, I knew him from that standpoint and, um, he was, I guess only around 17 years old. I don't know the details surrounding his passing. I'm really not going to get into it. And it really doesn't matter. The fact is that a 17-year-old who I think was a hell of a guy is uh, no longer with us. He was... Blake was something else, man. I, I <laughs> Like I mentioned before, he, he was a situation where when I met him, he was in his sophomore year. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was a guy full of energy shall we say um but he was a guy who yeah was a class clown but not in a bad way he wasn't malicious he wasn't a bad guy no, never never was a bad guy I, I i i know that for teachers he was he was somewhat of a challenge just like anybody 14 15 year old 16 year olds are but he wasn't malicious he wasn't a bad guy i mean he wasn't a situation where i would see his name on the roster and be like oh jesus fucking christ i gotta deal with this motherfucker no none of that type of stuff man i i i loved blake in my classrooms, and I tell you why, because every time I saw that kid Blake, and I told him this, told, I told him this, and I told some of his friends this who were in class with me at this time, when he was going around doing the thing, man, it was like, man, that guy reminds me so much of me when I was um, in high school at that time, and what I mean by that is that, I mean, this was a guy who just knew everybody, man, this was a guy who was friendly, who was cool with everybody, you know, in, in a town like that and in a school like that that sometimes I thought was just a little bit too the Hispanics hanging with the Hispanics, the whites hanging out with the whites and really not really not developing any type of relationships or friendships outside of something that's on, you know, a very shallow plane. 
Blake was the guy that, man, he didn't care, man. Now, his homies were, were Hispanic, but he didn't care, man. He, he, he would be friendly. He would be cool. He would be talk to you, whether that you were white, whether you weren't the, uh, you know, the, the, the most popular kid in class, whether you were shy, whatever, man. Blake was always that guy that not only was going to talk to you, not only was going to kick it with you just a little bit, but also was a guy that was going to make you laugh, man. The guy that was going to make you feel good, that's going to make you, you know, that's going to just... You were going to have a good time. You were going to be positive in his presence, man. And that's what he gave, man. And that's what I was speaking about, man. He would, you know, he would go from table to table, speak with the females and the guys and this, that, and the other. And it was all good fun. It was all, he was, he was great. He was awesome. Okay, you know, the, the background, a little bit shaky from, you know, the, his, his home situation. But, hey, man, overall, Blake was a great guy, man. Blake was a great kid. And I'm telling you, man, every time... He came into my classroom, whether I was substituting English, math, whatever, man. It was always great to see Blake in my class, man. And the fact that when I left, Blake was starting to really make that turn in terms of like, man, this was a guy who finally was starting to get it in terms of, hey, man, you know, getting my grades up and doing well in class and this, that, and the other, and really letting his talent shine. He, he was always going to be a guy. Blake was a guy who always had common sense. And I always value common sense over book smart. Because you can keep yourself in your books and miss the world going by and be completely lost. But Blake had street smarts. He had common sense. And he was a very intelligent guy. So he was starting to really start to um, develop into something in terms of, you know, he was always good with people. He was always considerate. He was always, you know, he, he was, he was, when I was with him or when I was, when he was in my class, especially his junior year, he was always that guy, man, that was like, yeah, you know, you wanted him in the class and you could see the talents. You could see him putting in the work. You could see, you could, you could see the maturity in him starting to, to, to build. And with that maturity that was building, you saw a guy who showed his potential and showed his talents that we didn't think he had or were starting to really come to life and really move him even further into and being the really great guy that he was. So, damn, man, I haven't seen him. I haven't talked to him, you know, since I left. But, uh, you know, his sister was awesome. I spoke to his sister a lot when she was in... Um, when she was in my classes that I was substituting. So she was a great gal. So um, I hope that she's doing well. Um, I hope that she's pulling through. Um, and yeah, man, for those kids up there, man, who were friends of his, man, it's like I kept telling them, man, I keep telling you guys, man, cherish the day. Cherish the day. Because if you would have told me seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven months ago that Blake would be gone, I wouldn't have believed you. You wouldn't have believed it. But uh, it happens, man. Every day. Treat every day. And that's what I always say, man, maximize, maximize life, man. Go out and do and see things and grow, continue to grow, man, continue to learn. That's what I'm talking about. Go out there and I always say this, step out of your comfort zone, man. Go ahead and have some conversations to learn, meet people of different races, faces, places. Go ahead and continue to grow just because you're 15, you're 16, you're 17. That doesn't mean that you still keep within the small boundaries of your community, the small boundaries of your friends, the small boundaries of your environment and your existence. Being on TikTok doesn't do that. Watching Instagram reels don't do that.
What you need to do again is to get out and find and learn from other people that are different from you. Step out of your comfort zone. Realize that there's something different, that there's something more, that there's something more to this world than just a small little block that you live in. Now, you can develop yourself, you can build yourself, you can have your friends, but man, always like Blake. Blake did not um, confine himself to one group of people. Blake branched off to multitudes of people. And that's why I love that kid, man. And that's what made that that's what makes this just so heartbreaking. So, yeah, man, if the, you know, my, my if you're listening to this uh if you're listening to this podcast from those folks who are up there, man, and you know, and you know, Ethan and all those guys who have continued to make strides in terms of being really good people, continue to mature and those type of things, man, that's the next level. Fucking challenge yourself, man. Fucking challenge yourself and challenge your friends. Come on, man, step out of your comfort zone. Learn something. Learn something that's bigger than where you are right now. Learn more about the world than where you are right now. Because the world is bigger than where you are right now. And even though you might be only a junior in high school or a sophomore in high school, let me tell you something, man. The senior year of high school or your end of your high school career comes up quicker than you know. And there's no guarantee that you will see those... um, those milestones so you treat every day like you should be treating so uh blake man rest in peace man it was a honor it was great to know you and uh you know the community up there stay strong for each other do all the things that you need to do that uh, community his friends his family his sister his grandmother his mom stay strong for each other man and uh move on man use what he gave you in terms of joy and happiness and everything that he gave as far as personality is concerned and move on so you can make not only yourself but people around you, your friends, your family and everything else a much better place to be, a much better place to be living because if you do that, again, it'll make this world a much better place. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. Rest in peace, Blake. You the man. Get me out of here with some music.
Yesterday 